welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Archery Country Podcast. This is your host, Wade Grinegar, as we are rocking and rolling in the Rogers studio, and we got some very, very cool dudes in-house and on the phone. Today, we're going to be talking about Elite and TOG and what it has to offer a bow that we've had in the shop for quite some time. I have had uh, a fair amount of success with Elite in the past. Uh, very, very, very cool setup, very cool company, and we got some great guys with us. First one I want to introduce to you is Trent Kleberger. He is actually a Minnesota man, a good friend of mine. We've shot for many years. He is uh, right across from me. And then we also have Darren Christianberry, which is a name a lot of you just perked up and turned your volume up a little bit more, a name that we're very blessed to have on here. How are you guys doing today? Absolutely wonderful. Love very it. Very good. Very good. Love it. So, uh, Trent, you go first. Give us a little little history of yourself, uh, your your history with archery, you know, how you how you came about and what you've done. I know that you've, you managed a pro shop and run that for yep. quite a few years. So just give us a little background and then your new advancement now with, uh, with elite and TOG. Sure. Um, you know, for, for me, like most, most people, I started, you know, at a really young age and my dad actually got me into shooting years ago and hunting and started shooting some three D's and that kind of thing. And just progressed from there. And it certainly was a passion of mine. And, you know, so uh, that, that turned into working in a pro shop and, just growing that and just keeps growing and growing and growing. And, and that, that, that need to fill that just has now led me to TOG and, and uh, you know, working with these guys has been a blessing. Absolutely. And we, we, when we say TOG, 99% of you listening right now understand where we're going. That is the outdoor group in conjunction, not only elite, but a lot of other great brands that we're going to talk about and elaborate on. But uh, besides your, your growing up and shooting, we've shot a ton of tournaments together. Right. We've traveled together. Um, but you managed a, a really, really nice pro shop. You actually, before the pro shop, you were you managed the archery department at Shields. Yep, I did, yep. And sure. then uh, you, you took on a Coyote Creek. Yep. And you managed that and left it in good hands. And now you are... Now I'm a regional sales manager for, for Elite. Um, managed five states for them. And yeah, we do. Running running that's what a a lot of individuals don't understand when we talk to reps or we say like when a customer wants to order something say yeah let me get a hold of my rep they don't quite understand like you're not on beck and call for one pro shop you have like you just said five states yeah five states uh you know it's hundreds and hundreds of dealers Uh, yeah basically i'm at their beck and call and do whatever it takes to, to make their job easier that's that's my job so and it and it's very cool that your passion has carried in from helping customers to now helping pro shops help customers and you're going to shoots and you're running the booth and you're getting to see everything that you've seen from the other side of the the, the table right you know? for me it's all about just making better archers you know and if i can help you as a pro shop you know help make better archers that's what i want to do so and what i love about Trent, for those of you that don't know him he stands six foot nine <laughs> and right now he's got his, his grizzly beard going um just a, just a very humble individual, and you can help. And what that's going to help us when we talk about draw length and different, because Darren and I are very similar in the, the shooting style and the draw length, but you are on the very top end of right. things. So yeah. we love it. Love you having on. And then, Darren, there is no introduction yep. that I need, but uh, if you would, a lot of people don't know your backstory. If you'd give us just a little bit on that and, and your hunting, your world, and what you've done and Tremendous accomplishments on the ASA and the indoor and NFAA, uh, USA archery. You've done it all. It's crazy because I look back at all of it and it feels like it's been so long since I've been competitive or, you know, was was one of the names they were talking about that people that have just gotten into archery in the past, you know, six or seven years, they may not, who's this Darren Christenberry guy? You know, they may not know and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, archery, for me, was just I was eat up with it when I was a kid. I loved arrows. I and I I didn't shoot at targets. I and shoot them up in the air to the next hill because I wanted to watch them fly. <laughs> um, and that, that that was I just something about you know as Newton you know, always said the mystical flight of the arrow and that's just something that had it tripped my trigger you know and uh, lo and behold the little town of Spencer Indiana that I've lived in my whole life just west or yeah just east of town. 
was a place called Parker's Archery, big sign out by the road, and it said indoor shooting range. And I was like, what in the world? Why would people shoot bows indoors? You know, I had no idea indoor archery existed. So I had driven past this place for years. And finally, uh, my wife-to-be at the time, her brother, was in an, a bow hunting league up there. And we were stopping to see if he wanted to go to dinner. It was around Valentine's Day, I believe. And we stopped, and I said, I want to go and see what this place is all about. So I walked in. There's all these guys shooting all these fancy bows. And I was like, unbelievable. Had no idea this existed, and that's what sparked the fire. So next thing you know, I'm buying arrows. I borrowed a bow off my father-in-law, shooting fingers in a 300 league, uh, happy to hit the target, let alone hit a scoring ring. Was just tickled to death to hit the paper. Um, And that quickly grew into getting all the information I could get. Um, wanting to be a competitive someday professional archer if I thought it could happen. Yeah. went by, I realized I was getting pretty good at this game. Um, and I just had the drive, the determination. I was passionate about it. I loved it. I loved doing it. I loved build arrows. I love everything about archery. So long story short, that transpired into a professional career. I shot for Matthews, shot for Martin uh, in my early uh, stages as a pro shooter. Then I went to Matthews for 11 years uh, and really didn't have any intention of leaving Matthews. And then I got a phone call from the outdoor group and elite and said, we, uh, we want you to shoot an elite. And I'm like, elite, you know, who, who shoots an elite? I really, you know, I wasn't aware. I knew they existed, but I'm like, wow, could I really do that? And uh, next thing you know, they're like, well, we, we might sign a guy named Levi Morgan too. And I'm like, Really? So that really perked me up, and I thought, yeah, I kind of want to be a part of that. So about three weeks after I signed my shooting, the VP of sales, Dave Ricano, called me and said, hey, we want you to come work for us. And I said, I don't know the first thing about sales. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. We want you to go in these shops and talk archery with these guys. And they said, that'll do it. So lo and behold, I gave up being an electrician. Um, I worked at General Electric for 11 years trying to get enough paid days to shoot as a professional shooter. Um, that got downsized and shipped to Mexico. I went to school for low-voltage electrical systems and ended up being uh, an electrician for almost 10 years. And I gave that up to get into the archery industry, and that has really opened my eyes to seeing all the wearing all the shoes and wearing all the hats and seeing everything from every angle, you know, from what dealers deal with behind the counter to what shooters deal with to, you know, now I'm a pro staff coordinator. You know, I got out of sales after three and a half years. I'm the pro staff coordinator for elite TOG managing professional shooters and negotiating contracts, which I'll be honest, is not my favorite thing to do, but it's, it's, <laughs> awesome. it's good to be a part of. And it's, I've seen it from all sides now and, that's kind of the abbreviation of how I got to where I am, but archery, I'm still as passionate about it today as I was back in the early 90s. I still, uh, and I still just absolutely am thrilled to be a part of what they call archery. I love it. That is awesome, and, and a great story. And like we say, you've, uh, you've had some great accomplishments, and then also a lot of individuals are going to recognize you um, when you're not in the shoot-off your co-host for cam media uh on the coverage of yeah. asas and and you've worked previous before cam you know you were also dabbling on there and then sometimes we're not going to see you because you are in the shoot off but you bring you bring a level of knowledge uh you bring uh and what we call a personal feel to you you know a lot of the shooters and, and it's not just a first name name dropping you know you know the story and like you, you bring up Levi Morgan, which is just an iconic symbol in the archery world. I don't care who you are. You've heard of him or you've heard of Samantha on that. You're very, very good friends with them. Uh, another great name, Chance Bobef. Uh, you know, I've yep. gotten to know him. You, you know all those guys, and, and you do more than just give them a bow or, or help them out on certain things. You know, you, you shoot with them, and, and you're friends with them, and, and I think that adds a ton at when, you, when you're hosting, hosting on, on uh, TV for that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, back in, you know, I turned pro in 2000 indoors and because I could shoot 60Xs, you know, almost every time in practice, you know, and yeah. I was a world-class practice shooter and a lot of people are world-class <laughs> practice shooters, but mm-hmm. these guys that 
go to every tournament and never miss an X or never miss a pin ring. It's just it's unbelievable to to be able to take that practice game mentality and just shut it off and do it at every tournament. You know, Chris Perkins, real wild chance. I mean, the name, the list goes on and on and on of guys that have consistently just hammered out perfect rounds all the time. But I didn't turn professional in 3D until 2002 because, as I said, I worked for General Electric and couldn't – I didn't have enough vacation days. I really wanted to shoot for rookie of the year. That was one of my goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I didn't have enough time off to make all the tournaments. So I did, and I did win rookie of the year in 2002. But I also spent $11,000 out of my pocket to try to win $4,000 back. And (laughs) people are like, I can't afford to lose $7,000 a year at this year without – you know, something had to happen quick. Yep. So, 2003, I won the IBO Triple Crown, um, shooting a Matthews, and then that turned into bigger contracts with some help for entry fees and travel and allowed me to continue to pursue a career as a professional archer because going backwards seven grand a year, I just couldn't do it. Right. Um, so, that, that allowed me, gave me the opportunity, and point of all this leading up to, I had to feel like I belonged out there. I just didn't know if that was for me. Am I good enough to compete? Do I have what it takes? Uh, can I prove my worth out here? And it took me a couple of years, some time and some money to finally realize, hey, I, I do belong out here. I can compete. I can win. And then when I did win, it was like, man, I didn't see an end inside. I had a couple, three really hot years there, 06, 07, 08, 09, 10. You know, shot on the World Cup team. World Cup, you know, the outdoor feet of stuff almost ruined. Well, I fought target panic off and on for, for years, and it's still something, you know, that'll, that'll rear its ugly head. And I know a lot of people deal with that, and I'm not ashamed to talk about it because it's, it's a success story when you can beat it at times and when you go out there and can execute under pressure. Um, it, it's something that needs to be discussed, and I think that's the only way you beat it is put your fears out there in front of you and face them. But, uh, you know, all that success, all that time, I felt like I belonged, knew I belonged out there. Haven't had the success I've wanted in the in most recent years. But like I said, I've been blessed. Uh, I knew I belonged. I've, I've had a lot of experiences out there to draw on. And that's why I think I speak the language so well. I've known these guys most of my life. I've had personal relationships or traveled or roomed or hunted with them. Yeah. Uh, so I've been in shoot downs. I've lost, tournaments i've won tournaments um i've had the thought processes i've I've gone through what they're thinking uh and somehow i can relate that it seems like so i don't know if i'm the perfect fit for television and commentating but i'm blessed everybody let me do it uh and again being a part of archery i'm i'm very lucky to very lucky to have done all this stuff absolutely and and you are a perfect fit and you just explained why and that's why we're glad to have you on today as we are going to kind of dive into the bread and butter of our conversation. So Elite, uh, I was introduced to Elite in 2015 and uh, kind of the same situation. I only ever seen it on, you know, if an ASA or somebody talked about it or at a tournament. It wasn't something that was common here in the Midwest, being from Minnesota. Uh, and then uh, I got the opportunity to shoot some and and the like you say, that that little stepping stone, you grit your teeth and you you're, you're shooting 60x games and you're doing it all the time and then all of a sudden you'll miss one at a tournament and i remember the first tournament i went to with an elite i shot a victory uh 39 went to the isaa pro-am and i was an amateur and ended up third there and then just turned around and i didn't even know what i was getting into in vegas <laughs> and i think it helped me because i went out to vegas and i shot a 900 in flights and it was 986x and or so 70, 76x and walked out and all of a sudden there's a crowd and I had, I had, you know, I thought, well, this is the game. I didn't, I didn't do any research. I didn't know what scores were. I didn't, you know, I was just glad to see my name on top, let alone be on the very first bail. And then, uh, then it, then it just exploded. I had every hunting bow that elite made and I, you know, I shot their target bows and it's a very, very, very well-made bow and there's a foundation and that's what you guys are going to relate to us. First, let's talk about, the 2021 models and Trent, we have a bunch of bows around us here at the pro shop. So we'll kind of start on, on your flagship side of things and we'll work our way down. And, and instead of listing all of them, let's just like, just, just grab the encore 
and tell us about what it is and what we're doing and what the bow is. And Darren, at any time, you just chime in and uh, where are we going there? What? So this is, transcribe it right here. This is the Elite Encore. Uh, give us a little spec breakdown on that, and then and then we'll talk a little bit about the history after we do the bow segment. So the the encore, it's a thirty three inch axle to axle bow, so it's it's a good mid length, you know, for for most archers. So you know whether you're a long draw length guy or a short draw length guy, it, it it'll it'll serve your purpose. Yeah. Um. For for me, the biggest thing with these is the adjustability that these have. Um. Draw length wise, this bow will go from 23 inches to 30 inches. So, from a pro shop standpoint, right? You know, um, as long as you got the right poundage limbs, you can you can cover women, men, yep. people coming off shoulder surgery, whatever. I mean, this bow covers it all, and you can adjust it down to the quarter inch if you want. So, very adjustable in that regard. Um, and then you throw in our set technology, the ability to adjust that limb pocket for to twist that over a little bit. Uh, to help you get the bow to tune just exactly how you want it to without having to press the bow or do any of that stuff. It just makes it so easy. And so in the Encore, like we talk about, there, there's a lot more going on than just the bow picking it up and then setting the draw length. Like you, when, there's not very many bow companies when we talk about quarter-inch draw length or controlling the right. let off or having a limb. I, I still call it a limb stop, uh, the pad. Right. Is it still considered a limb stop? But we, it's can, a pad. we can do it either way. Um, that's a nice thing with this bow too, you know, if, for guys that have shot elite forever and, and like that limb feel, you know, that super solid mm. back wall, we still offer that. But if you want something, you know, it still has a very hard back wall into the cam. But, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, want even that little bit harder, you can certainly still do the limb stuff. We offer it both ways. So, and it, like you say, it's 33 axle to axle, um, you the stability, the hold. Darren, I know that we're getting, we're kind of going two different ways on this. We'll get into the technology and everything and the history of elite. But what do you you think on that limb stop? The, it's a very hard back wall. There's going to be very little sponge, if none at all, if you put the limb stops on. Right. What do you think that does for a shooter? Oh, I, you know, I, I, our boat gives shooters the option. You know, we you can do uh, the limb stop. I think is it it equals consistency to me. You know, some people say you can't shoot a back tension release with limb stops. You, you you have to shoot it on cable stops. I mean, on paper it may not be right, but what you can and can't do that's just up to the that's up to the guy drawing the string. I I shot limb stops for almost the whole time I've been with Elite. Uh, I'm currently shooting cable stops on the results. Um, I just think having that option to know if you buy the bow and it just comes with the limb stop, you you never know. If you buy the bow and it just comes with the cable stop. You never know what you can do. Having that flexibility with the adjustment on the cam, with the set technology, I really feel like, you know, I know it sounds salesy, and I don't mean to sound salesy. Maybe I should, but I've a long time. Bows, year to year, don't tend to impress me too much, but I feel like Elite right now is very underrated. You know, when people talk about Big Three, they may say, you know, Hoyt, Matthews, uh, PSE or Bowtech, whatever. I feel like we're underrated if we're not up there toward the top because we have a bow that literally a dealer doesn't have to carry as many skews because yeah. it's got a seven inch draw length adjustment. Yeah. You know, it's just the adjustable let off, the, the quarter inch draw length adjustment, the limber cable position, the ease of tuning without a bow press, not having to fight with mods anymore. There's a lot of positive things to talk about when you talk about elite bows. Absolutely. And it was uh, an, an eye-opening experience. Trent actually, a couple weeks ago or a month ago, we came up and we just had our little dealer rep meeting. And uh, he, he just, he, instead of talking specs and reading stuff, he just grabbed a bow and we all three of us went in the back and we shot it and we, and what matter, he had one set of Allen wrenches and every one of us tuned it to a, an arrow that probably never even meant to be tuned. Right. And we had a right. whisk, we had a whisker biscuit on, and it was eye opening. You know, the the transition of back ten years ago when we talked about tuning a bow, we did a lot with the rest, or we we twisted a yoke here and there, uh, maybe set your top cam for you know to index before, but now literally no press, like you're saying, a set of Allen wrenches or one Allen wrench, and we can tune the the arrow and the bow all in one with this set technology and we're going to elaborate we're going to go into detail on that but 
there's just so much in a great, great price for a bow that you can't get with certain companies. You know, like you're saying that, that wide arrangement for your draw, you don't have to have a bunch of different mods laying around. And then, then the feel, a, a lot of customers will come in and let's say that we measure them and by all means, customers listening, when we, if we take the wingspan, I hate when people say that, <laughs> oh, oh, here's my wingspan, you know, divide by two and a half. Well, that gets me close. Right. That's, that's not your draw length. Let's, let's go over and do it right. And sometimes they're not 28 and a half and they're not 29. They're 28 and three quarter. Well, let's face it between bow to bow. It can, it's an inch difference from, from some boaters from one manufacturer to the other. So absolutely. And you can do that all with these. Right. So that's, that's the encore. I would like exactly what you said. 33. I love that number. I've always loved between 32 and 35, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Let's just shift and turn around and grab. I believe that's the remedy. It is. And uh, give us a little breakdown on that. Uh, every bow that we're talking about, except for one today, is going to have the set technology. And that's the way that we're tuning. Uh, we're shifting things over. So uh, give us a little breakdown on that. So the, rem the remedy is an inch longer axle to axle. So a little bit longer, a little bit more forgiving. Um, it has the same cam, but a different module on it. Um, okay. So it's going to be a little smoother module. So it's going to have a little smoother draw cycle to it, mm -hmm. um, but still that same great elite feel. Um, the other thing with this one, it will go an inch longer in draw length too. So okay, guy my size, you know, getting to 31 inches is, is a big deal. So um, this will get you there. And Darren, let's, uh, I'm going to, you do a lot of hunting all over North America and maybe the world. I haven't asked you on that, but uh, like last year you went out West and I know that we've seen you on some videos, tree stand hunting versus spot and stock. Like, what's an axle to axle? That are you shooting an encore? Or are you shooting a remedy? Or where are you at? I'm I'm actually hunting with the remedy, and that's what I hunted with this past fall. Uh, I'm I've always been a longer axle to axle guy. I just like that feel. I like the string angle. Um, I did have to hunt from blind every sit while I was out in Wyoming. I hunted at Bighorn Outfitters, hunting pronghorn for the first time and whitetail, and I took both animals from a blind, and it was very uncharacteristic for me because i'm you know six foot two and 200 and, well a bunch of pounds but <laughs> uh, i'm i'm not made for sitting in a cooped up blind having limited visibility right midwest I'm from south central indiana i've i grew up in tree stands um you know blinds were made for rainy days in my opinion that's the only reason i would need a hunting blind was to get out of the rain but um the 34 inches didn't seem to bother me in there um and Axle to axles, really, you know, as other manufacturers have proven, and we have two, you know, we had 30 inch bows, we've had 28 inch bows, you know, now we're 33, 34, 36 is what our 2021 lineup is. But uh, axle to axle for a lot of applications is almost irrelevant anymore when it, you start talking cam sizes as well. But I yep. think the 34 inch is just a perfect, if a guy's on a limited budget and wants to buy one bow to kill stuff, to kill paper to shoot foam animals with i think 34 is one of those perfect axle axle length where he could buy one bow and do just about any type of archery he wanted to do absolutely and uh, i couldn't agree more with uh it's not it's not uh, it's a misconception in the, in the world of archery when people say they want compact right they want a small small bow because they're going to go elk hunting red flag right away like, okay, so what are you gaining by having a bow that's two ounces lighter but six inches shorter? And, you know, you, okay, so you can pack, you can take two steps further than me when you're packing in there. <laughs> the, the thing is, is the stability factor, the string angle, and, and don't get me wrong, there are some short draw shooters where that's going to be a little more comfortable maybe. But having a forgiving bow and having the stability of the riser, the way that you guys cut out the riser, and the technology behind that, you're going you're gonna to find that you're steadier at longer distances. By no means, and I've said it on the last 35 podcasts, whatever you're ethically comfortable shooting, then shoot it. But if you're practicing, yeah. if you're going to shoot, you know, sometimes a 60-yard shot is what you're going to get, and you got to be able to be 100% confident. And another thing about elite, 99% of what we do in archery is practice. Rather, you're a paper shooter, you shoot – asa foam or if you're shooting at animals strictly just a hunter you're only you're only taking one or two shots at that time right you're taking 
hopefully 1200 shots at, <laughs> at something to get ready and you have to enjoy right. it. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to be accurate. If you're not accurate, you're not, you're going to have anticipation issues and you're just not going to be confident or you're just going to quit. Right. And I think that's where, where elite kind of stands out and like, and I couldn't agree more. It's, you're a little bit underrated. The company is, and I'm, and you know, if we can push and, and get things growing and, and you guys have a ton of great pro shooters and you're seeing them on TV now all the time, a lot of great professional archers are also celebrity. I call them celebrity hunters, but they're the ones that are on TV. They do it because they love it, not because of a paycheck, but that, you know, you're starting to see this brand and brand and over and over. And now we're starting to get a lot of guys and women in it. And that brings us to our next bow, which since the introduction of this, like lights out congratulations and it's not a flagship high-end bow uh trent talk to us a little bit about the ember so the ember is a a bow that's you know it can fit pretty much anybody i mean really it'll go from 10 pounds all the way up to 60 pounds from a 15 inch drawing to a 29 so it it serves a, a very valuable purpose especially for your new archer that is gonna change a lot or teenagers yep. even even younger than that um, right just, my 10 year old shoot one of these so i mean it'll, it'll fit anybody and and one thing that really stands out with this bow over over a lot of other you know quote unquote youth bows or adjustable bows like this yep. is is we incorporated our limb stops into this so um a lot of bows at low poundage when you get to that back wall uh kids and stuff have a tendency to pull through that back stop because you know, at that low poundage, it'll just roll right over. So right. with that limb stop, it keeps their form in check a little bit more and, and, and really helps that young archer shoot a lot better. So, And Darren, when you guys designed this, and and I know that you're part of the design crew, you have a say in what's going on, and you got a, a ton of very, very smart individuals who are archers as well. This bow, it, it's also a performer. Like you and I could grab that. Well, you guys couldn't on draw length, but I can draw, I can, I can perform with this bow. It has the efficiency in the cam. And dabble a little bit on what you guys, when you put into this. Yeah, well, I'm sure people listening, if they haven't heard of, they they probably have. Nathan Brooks. Nathan has been a staple in the archery industry uh, and shot for some different manufacturers, but we're lucky enough to have him as a professional shooter uh, and as a TOG employee. He, He works with the engineering team. Nathan does a ton of our testing. Nathan's actually the guy that led set technology to come to life. Uh, he was trying to tune his wife's bows. Uh, Jen, she's a lefty, and just her style of shooting, she kept getting these weird tears through paper, and Nathan couldn't get the bows to tune properly with the tools he was given from the factory. So he would take the limb rocker out, and he'd start filing it down at an angle, which would allow the limb to sit in the pocket a little different, which would, in, in story, manipulate the, the tip of the limb, which changed the attitude of the cam. So all that being said, that's how that technology came to life. But actually took that ember, uh, tested it, shot it for himself, let his daughter shoot it. It's a true two-cam bow. It's not a binary. It's a true two-cam. But Nathan actually set that up, put his long bars and a target sight on it, shot 326 Vegas round with it. So, you know, this is a $500 fully adjustable bow that'll go from 15 to 29 inches in draw length. And I believe it's, what, 10 to 60 pounds, Trent, I think is what it yep. is. Now, it's all relative. You can't get a you can't get a 29-inch draw length, 10 pounds. That won't happen. Right. Uh, and you get you can't get 10-inch or a 15-inch draw length at 60 pounds. You just can't. But anyway, it'll fit a ton of people. It is an awesome bow. It's tested. Um, and it's selling probably about a hundred times more than what they thought it would sell like. So, uh, we only make it in right handed right now. We've had a bazillion, uh, it seems like anyway, a bazillion. So, don't know. <laughs> We've, we, we had it here at the shop. We, we tried and tried and tried and it's it, but you know, it's, it's just an overall, it's a great experience. And what I like about, and let's, now we're going to dabble into, we still have the target bows to talk about, the result, 36 and 39. But the, uh, well, let's talk about those because we're on the bow deal. And then All we're right. going to, the word that I'm getting very, very close to saying, I'll say here in about two minutes. But uh, currently, Trent, you're shooting the result. I am, yep. 
the wow. 30. I'm shooting the longer version of it, the regular result. Um, okay. With my draw length, I, I don't I don't get that choice. I, right. <laughs> yeah. It gets made for me. Um, but, you know, I am i couldn't be happier with the bow. I'm actually, uh, we do have three different mod systems that you can run in our bows. Um, a standard mod, um, a 75% let off mod, or a performance mod. So um, I'm running a 75% let off because I like a little more hold weight. So okay. um, with that, it's it's just been a phenomenal shooting bow. I'm, I couldn't be happier. And, and, and what I like, correct me if I'm wrong on this, sometimes when we talk, let's go back to target archery yeah. just for a second. Uh, since we're talking about target bows, in certain venues, paper, there's one bow that seems to be on every podium, okay? And then in the ASA world, there's two bows that are on every podium. But now, in and now 2020 was just a stupid year. You know, right. COVID sucks, and we all know that, and we never got to play, and we didn't get to see our buddies, and it, it's just dumb. So let's go back a year before that. Now, with the quality of shooters and the bow technologies, every weekend it's a different podium. Right. It's not dominated by a certain company. And Elite has got, especially in the foam world, a ton of phenomenal shooters who are not just shooting foam. We're seeing them on the first three bales in Vegas. We're seeing them at uh, this weekend. You guys are headed out to indoor nationals. And, you know, it, every weekend it switches. And I think that has a lot of credit. And that's what, I mean, Elite, when you say the big three, right. now you have Hoyt Matthews and Elite. Who's going to be in the number one spot? Number two, number three. And I know it doesn't matter to the average customer out there, but that does say a lot about the technology and the bows. Oh, exactly. You bet. Darren, on the, or what, 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 for your target rig, what are you running? I'm shooting the big result as well. Yeah, it's, uh, the 36 is, it, Nathan feels like the 36 aims just a tick better for him. So he's shooting the 36, but, for me, with just, uh, like I said, to stay consistent with what I said, I just like longer axle to axle. I, I, I'm a fan of the stability. Um, the big result is, is the bow choice for me. I love it. And uh, since the introduction of set, tuning and target bow has become super easy. It's so easy to bear shaft two needs or do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, it's it's stand on the line, boom, boom, and you're done. It's, How, however you want to go, as far as you want to go down the rabbit hole, you yep. can do with these. Um, actually, a guest uh, that we had on a little bit ago is Jason Getkin, who has dominated the archery from Reading to indoor. Uh, you can read all of his accomplishments. If I were, maybe I'm spilling the beans right now because we have the bow here and he doesn't. But, oh, it's here already, huh? Nice. Uh, I think it is. I think it's in the back. Good. Uh, he has an elite. Nice. He got the result 36. And you want to talk about a guy that's going to put it to the ringer like Nathan Brooks right. or Chance or any of those guys as far as tuning, he uh, he's going to do it. And there's a reason that he's doing it. Uh, he's seen the performance of it. But uh, back to it, and Darren, you can, you can help us out on this. The history behind Elite and the outdoor group, uh, a word that we hear, I think it's one of the greatest promotional words out there is called shootability. Can you yep. elaborate a little bit on that and then give us a little history on Elite or maybe vice versa uh, where they've come in such a short time of making such an awesome platform? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, 2006, I think, is the earliest you could find an Elite. Um, you know, it started out in a basement and quickly grew into, you know, three different buildings in West Henrietta, New York. And then um, the outdoor group, their investors got involved. You know, and then it quickly grew into a nine brand company. But Elite has, you know, quickly evolved. And, and it's been, I've seen a lot. I've been at Elite for going on eight years now. So they've been in business for 14, 15 years now. And I've been there for almost half of them or just over half of them. And, you know, being in sales to, um, you know, working at customer service. I, I do a lot of emails with customer service, warranty and tech. Uh, managing the procedure, like I said, I wear a lot of hats, so I get to see a lot of different views and see through a lot of different windows. But uh, almost got too big too quick, you yep. know. It really it, it's amazing to see how fast the company did grow. And I'm sure some people's feelings got hurt. Dealers didn't get treated correctly. You know, lead times have been long at times. I mean, you can take all the negatives out of it if you want to, but there's a lot of positives there as well. 
good product made in America. Uh, this year, 2021, I believe, is the best year we've ever had as far as having the most complete bow lineup from the Ember, you know, fully adjustable bow, all the way up to our flagship hunting bows and, you know, the 36, 38 results. I mean, those bows are fantastic from top to bottom. So it's been, you know, not a perfect path. Uh, it's not been a road without some hurdles and speed bumps in it, but it's been awesome to be a part of and to see where we're at now. We're growing. I think we've got customers coming back into dealers going, hey, I want to see that new Elite. Uh, 2014, when we had the Energy Bows, the Energy is what put Elite on the map. It really mm-hmm. was. And then the option was kind of, you know, that erased some of that momentum. That that was a bow that just kind of, kind of, you know, killed our buzz a little bit for lack of a better term but now i think we've mended some relationships we've got good products going out the door we've got the best lineup we've ever had to offer and i feel like our products are in demand again being right now absolutely and and you can you can vouch for that uh the release of the encore and being a pretty good dealer not uh not saying anything or trying to be cocky at all but we were one of the first ones in minnesota to have the encore and a great customer, he called and he said, do you have it? And I said, yep, we have one. And it's the new green color. He came in, he fired two arrows, and uh, he's a very short draw length. And it tuned unbelievable. And he walked out. So I had it for more, almost two and a half hours. I didn't even get to shoot the bow. <laughs> so, you know, there, there is a demand. And he come in and he bought another one, and his buddies bought one. And you we're starting to see when they come through the door – you know, if you look at our pro shop, we have an extensive lineup, uh, more bows than most pro shops besides Lancaster and some other big ones like that. But now, instead of having eight pegs with elite bows, as soon as 16, now we got 24. You know, there's 30 bows sitting over there because the demand is becoming. Rather, it be social media, be a combination of great product, uh, guys seeing it with somebody's name on their shirt, you know, or a hunting world. That's that's what we get a lot here in we're kind of Midwest Minnesota, right just north of the cities and in our other locations north of us. But 90% of our inventory is for hunting. And the target world, we can't keep the target bows on, you know, on the shelf. They're just It's it's growing, and it's growing. Like you're saying, it's growing really, really good this year. All those people have got to do is put these bows in their hands, and they find out for themselves real quick, you know, what shootability is and, and, and why we promote it that way because they're the most shootable, easiest tuning bows in the world. They mm-hmm. truly are. And where did that name come from, Darren? Or where did that slogan come from? That, that was, uh, I think that was originated by the original owner, Pete Crawford, you know, uh, Garrett Armstrong. They came up with the term shootability. And, you know, the the definition of shootability, I mean, that's, that's a uh, – trade of elite and i think it's kind of like the i think they say it's the collective experience of the draw cycle uh the overall balance and feel which is ultimately increase increases the shooter's enjoyment and accuracy when it matters most so it just uh it kind of checks all the boxes it's easy to draw it's easy to hold it's fun to shoot it's repeatable uh all that together equals shootability that's what that all means i love it i love it and, and that's the thing is, you know, as a pro technician, pro shooter, however you want to label anybody, <clears throat> we can talk statistics and we can say this will do it. But coming into a pro shop and just shooting them, rather it be a five yards or 20 yards or set up with a sight and, and a rest and the whole kit and caboodle or just shooting at bear, it will speak for itself. You know, it's a, it's a definite contender. And uh, I think... There, you know, that's all. It's, that's all you need to do is just shoot it, take it for a test drive. You know, you might not. You might come in for a Ferrari and leave with a Lamborghini. You know, you don't. You don't know what shoe fits. So it, it's all. Yeah. It's it's great to it, and and the technology. It's it's fail proof. There's so much that you could say about it, but a lot of our customers also like to hear about hunting and and shooting. You guys are headed to uh, indoor nationals, like we just said. Uh, starting to mm-hmm. see the ASAs have been going good. Yeah, the first one down in Foley, and then we're all headed to Paris here in a couple of weeks. Uh, then Vegas. I almost forgot about that. The pro shooters are going back out. Will you guys be out there? Uh, I'm Darren. Yeah, he's got a booth out there, right? Okay. Yeah. So, and then we, we're we're prepared for a booth. We don't know if we're going to have it yet or not, but we're prepared to have one. Right. 
and uh, you, you can see these guys all over. So what do we got on store for 2021 as far as hunting? Trent, where are you, are you going just around here? Are you guys incredibly busy that you can only go to one hunt a year? You know, that's a great question because, uh, you know, with my former past, I mean, I was lucky to get to go hunting five days, six days out of the year. So, right. Um, I'm actually looking forward to fall. I'm hoping I'm not as busy and I can actually spend some time in the woods. So Absolutely. I don't really have anything set in stone yet, but yeah, definitely, definitely going to spend a lot more time in the woods this year. So, and what are you, what are you, hunt, or what's your hunting rig or have you not decided yet? I'll shoot, a, I'll shoot, I'll shoot the, the remedy. Remedy. Yeah. yeah. Draw length and all that. Yeah. I'll put it at 31 and, and it's a little bit short, but I actually prefer that a little bit in my hunting bow. Just, mm-hmm. I feel like, especially if I got to get it at an awkward angle or something like that to make a shot. I'd rather be just a hair short, I think, so. And uh, just give us your whole setup. What are you running for a site? What are you running for rest? And, and elaborate as much as you want. Arrow build, that's a huge, huge thing right now in, in the industry oh, yeah. of archery. Uh, and guys like to, guys and gals, they like to hear what other people are right. shooting. So on, what, I'll, what I'll run for a, for a hunting setup on my Remedy, um, I'll, u- I'll use our Engage site, um, three-pin movable site. Okay. Um, I just like the versatility that that site gives me i'll yep. shoot it as a single pin slider but it gives me you know two other pins if i don't have time to move it in a hunting situation instantaneous so if you need it right mm-hmm. or if you draw back and that animal goes out another five or ten yards you're not you know you got mm-hmm. something out there to reference so i just i like the versatility that that site gives me um for a rest i i run a hamski rest on on most of my bows um mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll jump to a qad but you know it, it's kind of in between them two on a hunting bow um, yeah they both are great rests but um, and then stabilizers. Uh, I run our, I run our torque stabilizers on there. I run a front bar and a back bar. What uh, What are your lengths? Usually, usually two elevens. Okay. I, I like a little longer bar. Um, yeah. Probably run anywhere from, oh, four to four to six ounces on the front, and and about the same on the back. The bow balance is pretty good like that, but it just gives me a little extra stability, and you know, especially coming off a, I shoot my target bow most of year round, so and that's pretty heavy. So right. Um. If I pick up just a plain hunting boy, it, it goes everywhere because yep. there's not enough weight there to, to right. support it. But right. besides carrying it to the tree stand, I, I really like what it does. But uh, Arrows, are you a, a speed freak? Do you? I mean, we can touch some really, really cool speeds with these bows. Do you run a light arrow? Do you do front of center? Are you, what are you at? I, I typically like to run a light arrow. Last year I went really heavy just to try something different. Um, I'll go back to a light setup again this year. Um, the Easton Hex is kind of my go-to arrow. Okay. Um, love that arrow. Yep. Run it with about 50 grains of brass in the front usually, so I get a little bit more front and center, but nothing okay. crazy. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic arrow and super lightweight. And Are we a mechanical shooter or fixed or both? I've, I tend to stay fixed. Okay. Um, once in a while, I'll dabble with the mechanical just to play with them, but, yep. you know, uh, if you take the time to make sure they're flying properly, um, you're getting – as much if not more cutting surface with most fixed blade heads than you are with an expandable anyway so right gotcha yeah. sounds like an awesome setup darren <laughs> go nuts yes, sir. i shoot the remedy uh i'm hoping to well i i get privy to some new products once in a while so for the 2021 hunting season i may have a 2022 bow in my table by then <laughs> if not i'll I'll use my remedy again, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm shooting a remedy, 70 pounds. Uh, I shoot the CB Engage Hybrid 510 sights. Um, I know we sell a ton, and shops sell a ton of single-pin sights, but for the life of me, I can't figure that out. I don't know why someone – I don't I, – I, maybe someone could tell me. I don't understand why you want to shoot a single-pin sight. I got 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 fixed, but then having the hybrid, I have the ability to single yardage I want as well, but – I, I guess hunting in the the Midwest, uh, a one ten sight, you could probably aim a little high, a little low. But uh, I've been in a lot of situations where I need a lot more than just one pin. So, but anyway, I shoot the five pin engage. I shoot the elite QAD arrow rest. Um, I'm actually shooting the torch spider bars on mine, uh, our target bars. I'm shooting a twelve inch on the front with eight ounces. I'm shooting a ten inch on the back with twelve ounces. And uh, I'm shooting an Easton ACC nine. The ACC's been around probably as long as I have, and uh, it's just an all-around awesome arrow. Um, I shoot a mixture of broadheads, you know, having access to slick trick and broadhead to the companies for the outdoor group. Uh, I've shot 
Viper tricks. I've shot Magnums. I've shot the Raptor trick. Uh, you know, hunting with Levi, I killed some deer with a slacker once in a while. Um, but yeah, I shoot fixed or mechanicals, either one. Um, I try to get all my hunting bows somewhere at 280 or above if I can. Uh, I'm not a speed freak, but I'm also definitely not on this high front of center. Got to weigh 7,000 grains. I think that's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, but that's, uh, that's about my basic setup. I take six arrows into to the, to the field with me cause you just never know. Yep. Uh, but, uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty keep it simple. I'd like to keep stuff pretty simple. Uh, I've got all high-end products that I take to the with dependable, very consistent equipment. Absolutely. And I, I might be the only one sitting here that's going to try the new SS broadhead. Are you? Uh, I've been begging Trent to get ours, and now we found out that they're coming. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I have not, I've shot fixed 10 years ago because it was what we were shooting 10 years ago, right? Mechanicals kind of had a little horror story. And then since then I've shot rage. I've shot the slick trick. Uh, I'm actually going to tune up those super cool. I think they just look badass. Uh, I think they're going to fly like darts. And the first hunt that I'm going to use them on is going to be an antelope. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to reach out there. Perfect. No, I say that, knock on wood, and he's 18 yards at the water hole because it's 97 degrees. Maybe that'll work too, you know. But um, no, I'm very, very excited to see that. You can sharpen two of them, you know, two of the blades at one time, and you can make them extremely, you can change the angle on it. it just, I think it's a, it's just going to be an all around hard hitting, cutting broadhead. And all, all of their broadheads, I mean, we've shot them for many, right. many years. They don't fail, and they work, and they fly great. They're designed great. Um, that's awesome to hear it. You're, are you headed back out west, Darren? Do you know? I know we haven't talked about it, but you had some knee problems. You had to get taken care of. You had a shoulder injury. You had to get taken care of. Uh, is that putting, yeah. you going to be headed back out? It, I I actually just talked to my son about this the other day. I went with him and, and of course, Levi and Samantha out to Bighorn Outfitters last year in Wyoming. It was my first trip ever hunting out west. And, you know, I, I didn't ask too many questions before I went to the to the blind trying to shoot antelope. And I was like, the one question I asked is, where do I aim? You know, whitetails can be skittish, you know, so you almost aim to miss them. You aim low, you know, behind that shoulder and let them duck into the air. And they're like, ah, no, they won't know you're there. Just aim big middle. Well, mm-hmm. my first shot was at 32 yards, perfectly broadside, and that dude hit the ground. I never touched him. I threw the field, I I looked like a fool, and then I ended up shooting one at 76 and a half, and he had no idea the arrow was coming. So yeah. <laughs> it was kind of bittersweet. I looked goofy missing at 32, but looked like a hero stroking one at 70, almost 77. So, But uh, my son my son asked me the other day if I was going back out, and I was like, you know, I don't need to kill another whitetail. I've killed a pronghorn. I said, if I go, I'd like to do a spot and stalk mule deer hunt. So. It's not off the table yet, but I haven't confirmed it. So, but if I do go back out west, it's going to be for mule deer. Uh, we'll always hunt whitetails right here at home in Indiana. But uh, that's that's real. Yeah, my surgeries. I've had two knee replacements. I had a little tear and a cyst, tear fixed in my shoulder and a cyst drain there. So I'm working hard on the men trying. I'm shooting a lot of arrows trying to get stronger. I'm not where I want to be, but it's not from lack of effort. Hunting season, I always try to make some time for that, but. Uh, Target archery is where my heart is, but I always try to put a few sets in every fall as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, we could talk about hunting stories if we wanted, but I, a question just came up in my mind. We have a ton mm-hmm. of guys that uh, target archers that are hunters, hunters that are now exploring target archery. We're a knowledgeable, we're pushing some products, but we're more or less a podcast that's trying to help individuals out there and stuff that people want to listen to. If you look at YouTube and our social media team, they track what people are watching and what people are, you know, searching engines on Google and going on that. As far as a practice routine, and we're blessed to have Darren here, all of your accomplishments we talked about, and Trent, you've won many titles and you're very accomplished at Far Yardage. Give our listeners, the hunting listeners, and then the target archers, like what's, what are we doing practicing? We have the bow, we come in, we got a brand new remedy or the encore, we got our arrow set up, we're, we're completely pimped out, right? It's tuned, 
give us not like give us what you do for your target archery practice and then also for your hunting do you let target archery just take over and then your hunting is your hunting or what are you guys doing for practice for for me i guess uh you know for target archery you know this year has been different than anything i've ever done because i've always you know working in pro shops i've always had access to a range to shoot at so uh, missing that this year my my practice got uh sidetracked a whole bunch but I spent a lot of time at uh, eight, 10 yards in my garage this year, just banging arrows just to, to get some reps in, just to keep the shoulders and stuff, you know, somewhat loosened up and, and mm-hmm. uh, try to try to keep that feel per se. But uh, um, good, bad, or indifferent, it, it certainly did help. Um, in the summertime, once summertime comes and, you know, I kind of switch into this hunting mode, I, I have a few 3D targets out in my backyard that I can, a, either go out my backyard and shoot, or I can shoot them right off my deck, too. So I'll usually have my bow just kind of sitting around the house, and I'll just pick it up and yeah. go pop some off the deck just to just – because when you're hunting, I feel like you don't get to stand there and shoot a bunch. So just to just pick it up cold and, and shoot a couple of rows and make sure things are doing what you want it to do yeah. in that situation help a lot, too. So that's kind of what I do. Gotcha. Darren? Yeah, I – mine's pretty simple. I spend an absurd amount of time looking at 3D targets because I've – you know, most of my success has been on the 3D ranges in unknown distance. So I have probably close to 60 3D targets. I have uh, 20, I think I have 25 or 26 Reinhardts, and I have 30-some McKenzie's out there in my barn. Um, I have an indoor range I built in 2006. I have a archery shop in my basement that has probably, I think I counted 29 bows hanging up the other day, but I have Three arrow presses, an arrow saw. I have, you know, this is an archery mecca. I love it. I'm passionate about it. But when it comes to practice, like I said, I spend an absurd amount of time looking at animals. I, I do shoot them quite a bit as well. But for basically my practices, I keep shooting good. I keep shooting and I shoot a lot. If I'm struggling with something, I'll put it down and go watch TV. Because next thing you know, you're looking for problems that may not exist. Our bodies change from day to day. My muscles are different from day to day. And the days that it's going good and the shots are flowing and the bow is pointing nice, I'll shoot till I can't draw the bow again. But if I'm struggling and I'm getting these weird flyers or things aren't working right, man, put it down and go do something else. Don't look for problems that may not exist. That's, that's probably the best advice I can give. But if you're shooting good, shoot a ton, and I do. Uh, the new technology on our bows, is fun to play with and i guess my practice is how good can i get it you know with hunting set up how good can i make my broadhead fly how tight 60 yards with fixed blade broadhead that's what i'm practicing for that way if i'm comfortable shooting at 60 and i'm super deadly accurate at 60 when i get something at 35 or 40 it's a chip shot i don't even have to think about it so i guess that's my you know thought process on practice when i'm shooting good do it a ton when things aren't flowing as well, go watch TV or find something else to do. I love it. And then uh, one last question before I cut you guys loose. When we're talking to two of the premier guys in the industry, and you're some people, when we talk about the word tuning, right, we have a bow that virtually it's it's the easy one of the easiest bows in the world to tune. What are you doing? Okay, you got a brand new bow out of the box. You're setting it up. Take us, Trent, what are you just you're shooting it through paper and then you go take it? Uh, I know target bow a little bit different. Are you bear shaft tuning? Are you walk back tuning? And then the broadhead tuning, obviously, we're taking care of that when it comes time to take care of it. But what, what's your tuning life like? For, for me personally, you know, um, first thing I'm going to do is is I spend a lot of time on my draw length, you know, and I want my draw length to, to feel right, you know, and you know, that's what I like about this too, you know, that quarter inch adjustment or, you know, not having to do it so much, you know, we used to just have to try to put a longer D loop on or shorten the D loop up and, and, right. and do the little things that way. And this, this just gives you a lot more options to, to get it exactly where you want it to feel. And, and once you have that figured out, you know, then I'll, you know, paper tune it, make yeah. sure that it's paper tuned and then shoot it a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll bear shaft tune, I don't get too much into that, but you know, it's, it's kind of something that's always in the back of my head. So I, I tend to right. do it whether I, whether I want to or not, it ends up being in the repertoire somewhere, but, right. um, and then from there, you know, especially on a, on a target bow, 
there's there's other things you can certainly do, but I I more or less just shoot it and just see if I need to do something else. You know, I don't go right. looking for problems either. So yeah, um, on my hunting bow, you know, broadhead tuning is is a big deal. So once usually if I've bear shaft tuned a bow, my broadheads fly exactly the same. I mm-hmm. mean, it's pretty much always never had that not be an issue. But um, every once in a while, you know, you can get it, get something that that ain't quite right, but that you need to play with and. This certainly helps with that. With that, and absolutely, like stuff. when you're saying it, you know, adjusting your draw length. We say that's the start. You can't just have a number. You know, right. you're, you're going to be different <laughs> from every company, right? Um, but having instead of like, well, a customer saying, "Well, can you tie me a longer D loop because I'm short?" Well, how short are you? Well, you're obviously not a half inch, but a quarter inch. Like we can play. You can you can customize the bow more than others, and then like you say, you shoot. 120 arrows with the limb stops in then take it off and just shoot the cable stops and see if you're better grouping if it holds if it's more forgiving if your pin float goes from a figure eight to a small u right you know there's so much that you can do with these and then another thing that we haven't even talked about repeatability is a huge word in archery especially target archery you bet the grip on this it tells you what to do and you put your hand on it and you and it's the same from shot one to shot 600 you know, it's a very repeatable grip. Darren, I, I know you a little bit. I met you in Vegas, and we've talked a little bit about arrows and that. And the, the first question you asked me, it wasn't, you said, hey, congratulations on your win, yada, yada, yada. But then you asked me about my arrow setup. And I, and I kind of, mm-hmm. I was like, what in the world is this pro shooter asking me, a guy who shoots for Easton, asking me how my arrows are set up? But it's knowledge. I, I consider you kind of an arrow geek. What are you yeah. doing for your tuning you know, from start to finish. Start to finish, I, I, I build the bow completely. I mean, I've got measurements I've got, but since I've gone through what I've gone through, I've built my bows completely this year off the field. And I wanted to go out. I worked on draw length till I got the bow how I felt like it needed to be, got the holding weight where I wanted it to be, got the draw length where I needed to be. Then I put my side on and started tuning for a sight picture. I wanted to hold as steady as possible. I wanted to, the point of all of it being is if you're executing a release properly, when the release fires, your mind takes a mental snapshot, takes a little mental picture of exactly where your pin or dot was when that release fired. So I know now, boom, oh, that should be four o'clock, whatever, half shaft X, it's a little low right of center. That's where that arrow should be. And if it's three inches high left touching blue, I want to know why. And that's what I'm tuning for. I'm tuning to change weights on the front, change weights on the back. I do some bear shaft tuning now, which I never did in the past. People ask me lots of questions. Do you bear shaft tune? No, why? I'm, I'm, if, until they have a tournament where I'm not allowed to use fletching, I don't care what my bear shaft's doing. Right. And in the past, with having to shim cams and take the bow completely down to move the spaces on the axle, it was too much work for the pavement. I see the benefit of investing that much time to where it might not even change anything. Having the new technology, the set technology, the quarter-inch adjustments, the limb stops, the cable stops, adjustable holding weight, three different mods. It's fun to go tune a bow right now. How good can I get it again? How good can my sight picture get? I'm tuning until every snapshot that my mind takes when that release fires, when I know I have it right, is when the arrows are hitting where that picture is. Little low right, dead center, little high right, little left. That's where the arrow should land. If it's not, something's not right. My either drawing's not right, my tune's not right, my bear shaft's not right, my weight's not right, and I'll keep tinkering with it. And you can do this every single day if you want to. You finally have to find a place where you're like, okay, I'm not a machine, but this is as good as I can physically get it. This is as forgiving as I can get it. Happy with that sight picture. Once I check all those boxes, it's ready to go in the case and head to a tournament. Love it. I love it. You guys, this has been an awesome podcast, and I hope uh, a lot of listeners kind of have a, an eye opened on the situation or an ear that's listening. Come into the shop, any shop in North America. There's tons of them that have them. If you're here around archery country, just come in. We have them. We can shoot the target bows. We can shoot any of the flagship bows, the ember, the remedy. You name it, we have it. We even have some of last year's cures that uh, we can look at on the carryover setup. But uh, I want to thank both of you guys. You did a great job, and, and I think we opened up a lot of eyes on it. 
So on behalf of Archery Country, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Best, yeah, Thanks best, for having us. Best of luck this weekend. Hope they find the middle. And uh, maybe we'll see you on the podium. Then we can really add some pictures to this podcast right. on the setup. <laughs> but on behalf of Archery Country, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And we'll look to you on the future. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 